Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Engineering Student Experience Podcast. I'm Paul Nissenson from the Mechanical Engineering Department at Cal Poly Pomona. Today's episode is all about the field of electrical engineering. I'm joined by Dr. Phyllis Nelson and Dr. Anas Salahuddin from the Electrical and Computer Engineering Department here at Cal Poly Pomona. We discussed what electrical engineering is all about, including the subdisciplines within electrical engineering, the career paths available to electrical engineers, and various tips for electrical engineering students. We also discussed the differences between the fields of electrical engineering, computer engineering, and computer science. Before we jump into the interview, I do want to mention that I recorded this episode about six months ago, back in March of 2020, literally just a few days before universities across the United States moved to remote instruction due to the coronavirus pandemic. At that time, it wasn't clear that everyone's lives were about to be upended, and you'll understand why Phyllis, Anas, and I were relatively upbeat and cheerful during the conversation. Had I recorded the episode just a week later, the tone would have been quite different. In fact, on the same day I recorded the interview, I attended my last in-person conference, probably for the foreseeable future. Conferences are all virtual now, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. When I recorded this interview, again almost six months ago, I'd planned to publish the episode within a month or two, but the pandemic and all the disruption in teaching and everything caused me to push back the release date until now. Fortunately, the topics discussed in the interview are applicable six months ago, today when you're listening to it, and well into the future. And I hope you enjoy our conversation. All right, I'm sitting across a table from my two guests today, Phyllis Nelson and Anna Saladin, uh, both of whom are faculty in the Electrical and Computer Engineering Department here at Cal Poly Pomona. And today we're going to talk about the wonderful world of electrical engineering. Uh, Phyllis, Anas, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks. For the listeners, I think it would be good if we start off with a little bit of background about you both. So what got you really interested in electrical engineering? Uh, where did you get trained? You know, where did you go to school? Uh, what kind of research experience do you have, and uh, what kind of industry experience do you have, or collaborations? So maybe we can start with Phyllis. Okay, well, I was always good in math in high school, and um, I didn't really feel a pull towards what I thought was physics and chemistry, which seemed to me like finding the next digit of, you know, five digits that were already known of some number. And I liked making things, so I ended up um, interested in engineering. And um, I think partially because mechanical engineering at my age was not something that women did, electrical engineering seemed much more accessible. And I'd made telescopes in high school, so I was interested in optics and things like that and control systems, how to, how to make things move. So that pushed me towards electrical engineering. And I actually got my bachelor's here at Cal Poly Pomona and then went to Caltech and finished a master's. Um, I spent about eight years in the aerospace industry um, and then decided that it was time to 
I was much more interested in research than I was in the industrial practice of engineering, so I went back and got a PhD at UCLA. Uh, spent a year as a researcher in France and came back and was research staff at UCLA for a while and then came here and I've been teaching here for, this is my 21st year. Yeah. So I guess I've found my permanent home. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, so I got interested in engineering because I wanted to solve puzzles. I wanted to solve problems. So engineering was direct path. Uh, frankly speaking, I didn't know which engineering when I first started. So I started as a freshman mechanical engineering. Okay. And uh, I have an uncle that is a nephrologist that took me to his center where I saw all the, all the hemodialysis machines. And he was convincing me that biomedical engineering is a better path. So I asked around and uh, I figured out there's a little bit more programming and I was interested in programming um, in the biomedical than mechanical, so I pursued it. And I ended up with a bachelor's in biomedical engineering. And then I got a Fulbright scholar um, to come to the United States to actually study my master's. So I pursued a master's in biomedical engineering. And at that point I figured out that I actually like electrical engineering because that was my focus. Most of the courses I've liked were electrical engineering. So I switched and I did a PhD in, in electrical engineering in Florida. How many years have you been here? I have, and in Pomona, I've been here. This is my fourth year. I've taught before, before coming here, I've taught at Florida Polytechnic University. Um, and the research experience I had before was also in the, it's biomedical, but it's mostly signal processing, image processing. So it's basically an electrical engineering perspective for biomedical research. So I did um, MRI and brain imaging. So mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you to do something really difficult now. Mm -hmm. In just a couple sentences, can you summarize what electrical engineering is? No. <laughs> <laughs> electrical engineering is really amazing because it's so broad. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, in, in terms of size, it spans from nanotechnology where we're making chips with devices that are a few hundred atoms wide to the electrical power grids and spacecraft that span continents and go out into outer space. So it's, it's a hugely broad field. So to add into that, I think um, electrical engineering is an interdisciplinary field. You can specialize in it um, and not know anything about a different subfields. And uh, there's, uh, as Phyllis had suggested, there's actually it's very broad and you can end up with an electrical engineering degree and end up doing something you haven't seen during your uh, college degree completely. Mm -hmm. So uh, for a typical undergrad electrical engineering student, um, what kind of courses would they take? And what are some of those subfields? Like, how is it broken down mm -hmm. um, in the discipline? Okay, so I think it's like it's it depends on who you ask usually. But I think about it in electrical engineering. You have uh, you have the electronics subfield. You have the power subfield. You're, of course, you're going to have electronics within the power. But generally speaking, there's people that specialize in power. Um, there are the, I would call them computer engineers, computer scientists. They, there's a computer aspect or embedded systems for, for electrical engineering. Um, and there's, of course, the communication and the control systems. And circuits. And circuits. Circuit design. Yeah, circuits design, which I think it's a subfield of electronics, maybe. But yeah. it, it fits in power yeah. and electronics. So mm -hmm. actually, all of them use circuits. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of, that's really the foundation, and that's usually mm -hmm. where people start is. Uh, some some courses about electrical circuits and how they work, and then uh, something about how to program. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned how uh, computer engineering and electrical engineering they're mm -hmm. they're somewhat 
linked. And actually, in, in your department here at Cal Poly Pomona, they're combined together under mm -hmm. a single department. Mm -hmm. What are some of the similarities and differences between those two uh, fields? And mm -hmm. I think it would also be interesting to know what are the similarities and differences between um, electrical engineering, computer engineering, and computer science? Well, I'll start out by saying that I think electrical engineering is the sort of the foundational discipline. And I think of computer engineering as where the program meets the hardware. So um, in particular, if you think about the idea of the, the Internet of Things, all of the hardware that runs the networking, the communications, the, the, the low-level sensors, has a part where the program is running on, on, on some circuit. And I think computer engineering is really heavily about that. Computer science historically has been about how do you put together a computer system? What, what's the, what are the parts? How do they interact? How, how you make things like operating systems and computer languages? And, but I think Anas probably has some more about that. He's closer to a computer engineer mm -hmm. than I am. Frankly speaking, I don't see drastic differences between the three fields. And certain schools like MIT, for example, um, they're um, I think it's called Core 6. It's basically electrical engineering, computer science, and in-between. So they're all in one department. Mm -hmm. So depending on the school you go to, you're going to see the distinctions a little bit different. In Cal Poly Pomona, we tend to think about more of um, where hardware, computer engineering, and electrical engineering are more hardware-focused than software-focused. But frankly speaking, once a student graduates, they're going to see on the job description that you need an electrical engineering, computer engineering, or a computer science degree. So usually my advice to students that are considering one of the three um, fields, see which one, what courses do you prefer to take more? So if you'd like to take more software courses, I would pursue a computer science, computer engineering perspective. If you really would like to deal with embedded systems and hardware, I will take an electrical or computer engineering degree and I'll focus on the programming aspect of it like on my own time. Um, so frankly speaking, I don't see a really clear cut definition. This actually stops here or here or here. It's actually mixed. It's a mix between. So for a student who just got their bachelor's degree in electrical engineering, what kind of jobs uh, might be available to that person in both uh, industry and in government? So industry, I can think about the tech companies. If you're into um, if you're into programming or software development, you might end up in one of the tech companies, Microsoft, Facebook, and, 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 and also smaller tech companies, not necessarily the giant ones. Um, there are, of course, other industries. Um, the defense contractors is one of the major employers for, one, for our students, um, Northrop Grumman, um, Lockheed Martin hires a lot of our students. Uh, Raytheon. Raytheon as well. Mm -hmm. and, and, a lot, and probably Harris as well, Harris Corporation. Mm -hmm. um, depending on whether you're willing to re relocate outside LA or not. So um, there are a lot more. There's, of course, the power, um, the power utility operators. Um, they hire a lot of our students. Mm -hmm. This actually is moving towards government somehow yeah. because power utility is kind of heavily regulated. And of course, government-wise, there's a lot of agencies. So I have some colleagues that ended up at the FDA because um, um, they were biomedical engineers. They ended up at the FDA. Um, I have some colleagues that ended up at NOAA um, because I was in Florida. So they ended up in Hurricane Research Centers um, from a computational perspective. They were basically computer engineers working on supercomputers. There is a lot more. So as Phyllis suggested at the beginning, it's it's a really broad field. You might end mm -hmm. up doing something that is not necessarily related to electrical mm -hmm. or computer engineering necessarily. 
it's related to what you studied, but it's not really what you studied as per se. Yeah, and don't don't forget we have NASA JPL here, right. and we have a lot of former students who are working at NASA JPL, mm -hmm. uh, doing things like robotics or or communication systems, designing satellites. I have former students who are at the National Security Agency, and they're just a, a huge range of jobs. Even um, even for example, the railroad hires some of our students because they're they're interested in the switching and control and monitoring and, and things like that. So. And then don't forget the automobile companies because they're moving towards electric cars and a lot of electronics goes into the motor control and all, all of the kinds of amenities that are inside the car. Yeah, so you might have actually answered my next question, but I was going to ask, are there any fields right now that are really, really dynamic, changing, and any student that would have any kind of experience in coursework related to those fields would be extremely desirable as a, uh, as a new employee or as a candidate to be an employee? There are a lot of them. The electrical power industry is undergoing a huge transformation because we're trying to integrate um, things like solar power and wind power. And so we're moving from electrical power grid that has big, major power plants supplying electricity to the grid to distributed you know, people with solar panels on their roofs that can sell back power to the grid. And it's, it's a very interesting time because the grid was not designed with that in mind. And so we're at a time where we're struggling to understand how to control that huge continent-wide infrastructure that needs new ideas and new ways to, to cope with the, the changing even just the scale of time that wind power or solar power changes. So that, that's one place where there, there are huge interesting changes going on. I think another place that we see a lot of interesting things going on is the, the changing lighting. So we're, as we move from fluorescent and incandescent lights to semiconductor-based lighting, you, you can now buy lights that you control the color by your smartphone, things like that. that um, open up a whole new range of opportunities for people that, that come right down to their, their lives. And then, of course, there's all of the, the kinds of things that are possible from the Internet of Things, where you have sensors that communicate to programs. And I was at a conference, and I was on a train in northern Italy when my, one of my neighbors rang my doorbell. <laughs> and I was able to have a conversation with her and say, no, I can't take that box right now, Ruth. <laughs> So I think those are those are really interesting changes, and one of the interesting things is that they're really changing how people interact with each other. So on the other extreme, I think um, there's a it's it, I'm going to be using the buzzword data science or big mm -hmm. data. So you have the other extreme um, on the computation side. You have so uh, our students or students in electrical and computer engineering or computer science for that matter, they will have the necessary um, background to actually work uh, either in the computing centers where actually they work on the hardware, developing the hardware necessary to do it, or actually on the algorithmic side. Um, so far, in my opinion, um, the field of machine learning or data science is not very, very well defined. So they're hungry for people that have some analytical background or uh, numerical background, and our students will actually fit into that category, and they might end up um, working in that field, even though they're not necessarily fully or 100% prepared to do that type of work, but they can catch up pretty quickly. And this is one of 
the benefits of being an electrical engineer because you you can actually jump into a new field and you, you will be prepared to actually ta tackle that task. Yeah, I have a former student who uh, went to work for Goldman Sachs. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So data science. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how much could a uh, new bachelor's degree engineering, electrical engineering student be expected to make a typical range of salaries? And I know it's going to depend very much on the field, mm -hmm. but uh, what's a typical reasonable I, range? So I think I've, I've seen um, some of the students that shared the um, first offers they got. It's around $80,000 in this region. Um, and it, it varies between where they work. And I've also seen um, some of the students that end up with the tech companies doing some software development in the 110, 120,000 um, mm -hmm. as a starting because, because that field is actually paying a little bit better or more, not necessarily better. <laughs> Does that sound about right, Phyllis? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So what can high school students who might be listening to this and might be getting excited about electrical engineering based on what you say, how can they put themselves in a better position to enter an electrical engineering program and once they're in the program to, to thrive? Math is the language. Yep. So I think that's the place to start. If you don't like math, you need, to, you need to think about whether you don't like math because it's really boring and you're not doing being challenged or whether whether it's that you really don't like thinking that way because it really is the language that underlies everything we do um, you can learn programming languages you can join robotics teams you can um, go to maker spaces and learn how to make things and uh, there's there's a huge number of resources to do things like that one of the other possibilities is to get a ham radio license I think you probably have to explain what a ham radio is to, to most uh, <coughs> listeners. <laughs> well, so you can have your own radio communication system and talk to people around the world. Yeah. Do you have to get a license for that? Yes, because, because use of the radio spectrum is, mm -hmm. is regulated. Yeah. And we do have a ham radio club on campus. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, we do. So if someone um, ended up at Calpolicomona, they can actually start here as well. And I want to add to that is there's a big um, electronic community, um, electronic hobbyist community as well that you can do mm -hmm. a lot of Internet of Things and all the other devices that you can build. For example, if you're into biking, you can put all sorts of sensors on 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 your bike and and go from there. For in electrical engineering students who are already in college, mm -hmm. what can they do to put themselves in a good position to be hired right after college besides getting uh, as good of grades as, as they possibly can? So one of my friends who's been the chair of the uh, physics department for a long time used to say that getting an undergraduate degree in physics was like getting issued a, a Swiss Army knife, mm -hmm. that you had learned to use a lot of basic tools and there were better ones out there. And I think the, exactly the same thing can be said of electrical engineering. You need, you need a really so solid background in the fundamentals because you don't know what you're going to be asked to do when you're hired. That's, uh, that's correct. And um, internships helps as well, like over the summers, um, doing, building your own portfolio of projects. Like whenever you have, not necessarily during summers, but you can work on long-term projects and, you can, and that will differentiate you from someone that just went through the courses because both of you will, both of the students will have to go through the courses. So when you graduate, if you have a portfolio of certain projects, and especially if they're interesting projects. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, you know, thinking back to my industry background, one of the things that's really different between industry and, and school is that you need to show up and be there at eight o'clock and, and stay till five. And, and the risk is always, are you, are you somebody who's gonna show up every day on time? And so having something like an inter internship 
where you've done that really helps take some of the risk out of the employer's mind. Mm -hmm. And how about the importance of joining various clubs or societies? Yeah, um, so we have a robotics club. A lot of our students are part of that. Um, a few years ago, there was a machine learning um, and artificial intelligence club that they can actually um, join. But I think the most active one I've seen on campus, but that's my own perspective, is the robotics club is pretty active mm -hmm. on campus. It's actually shared between um, electrical engineering, computer engineering. I've seen computer scientists in it, and I think some mechanical engineers are in that club as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, there, there are a huge range of clubs, but I think mm -hmm. you're right. The robotics club, the student section of the professional society is, is pretty active. Mm -hmm. And then we have we always have some students who volunteer to uh, join the Formula Car Club and the Mini Baja Club that that build and race cars. So uh -huh. there's electronics in that too. Mm -hmm. So how important is it for electrical engineering students to take their fundamentals of engineering or FE exam uh, around the time that they graduate and with the goal of eventually getting their professional license or their PE license? How important is that for the electrical engineering field? It very much depends on what you do. So if you work for a power company, if you work for a um, major contracting company, um, if you do anything that impacts public infrastructure, you're going to need it. And, and it's pretty much required. On the other hand, uh, I don't have one. I'm sure Honest doesn't have one. Um, by, by PhD, I'm a laser engineer. and we don't do things in general that impact the public. So it, it heavily depends on what you choose to do. But if you're going to do it, you should do it right when you graduate, because then you'll remember all those things. Yeah, I've forgotten quite a bit since that time uh, <laughs> I graduated. Nowadays, how important is it for electrical engineers to get an advanced degree, like a master's or PhD, and what kind of doors would that open for that student? The master's degree maximizes your lifetime earnings. Mm -hmm. So if that's what you're interested in, that's really a good investment. But it's not necessary, and people have really strong careers without it. The PhD, I think you either have to be really, really into wanting to do research and do something that's really brand new, or it actually turns out to be a good marketing tool for people who want to be entrepreneurs. So they can go explore an idea during their PhD research and then work to, to uh, commercialize that later. And having a PhD is, is an incredibly powerful uh, advertisement for your ability to, to do high technology successfully. So usually when, when students um, ask me this type of question, should I pursue a PhD or not? I, the first question I ask is, what do you really want to do? Because if you want to pursue a PhD, you have to have a purpose for it. It's a long-term investment. Half money a decade. Wants, half a decade. It's yeah. money and time, actually. So you're going to see, and I keep telling them, you're going to see a lot of your colleagues just working in the industry, making a lot of money, and you're just, you're just living as a student life. So if you're into that, that's okay. Some students actually like this. This is what they want. They want to do their own projects, their own research, so they pursue it. But again, it ultimately, it's not about what you want to do over the next half a decade, but what you really want to do afterwards. If you want to pursue research, Absolutely, a PhD is necessary. If you like teaching, PhD is necessary as well. You can't, you cannot um, reach certain positions if you don't have a PhD. 
Um, a master's degree, on the other hand, I think it, um, I think it's recommended for pretty much um, 90% of our students. I would recommend it highly. It's, it's not a long-term investment. You can actually do it online nowadays with a lot of schools and, um, and maybe if you work for the company, they actually pay for it. Yeah, and you can do it part-time, unlike a PhD, which is a full-time gig. Uh-huh. Okay, well, I want to be mindful of your time, um, but before I let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to give a one or two minute pitch of why someone who might be interested in engineering or STEM, why electrical engineering? If you use a cell phone, you use the most important kinds of things that we make. And this, we do things that impact people's lives, whether it's your smartphone or Veranus, uh, biomedical equipment. We're so good at it that we provide the infrastructure that's so good you forget that it's there. Yeah. And um, I would say engineering in general, electrical engineering in specific, if you would like or love to, to understand how the world around you works, pursue such a degree because everything around us operates on electricity or electronics more or less. So if you would really like, even computers as well, so if you really like to understand how things are working, uh, how the election systems are working, or any any system for that matter, electrical engineering is, or computer engineering is the path to pursue. Yeah, I mean, whoever, however they're listening to this podcast right now, somehow an electrical engineer had to be involved. Yeah. Right. Many of them. Right. Many of yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Phyllis, Anas, thank you so much for your time. And I'm sure that any high school student or, or current electrical engineering student could greatly benefit um, from your words of wisdom. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. I would like to again thank Dr. Phyllis Nelson and Dr. Anas Saladin for spending some time with me to share their experiences in the field of electrical engineering. I also would like to thank Melody New for running the soundboard during the episode. Now, if you enjoyed this podcast, there are a few ways you can support it. You can subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, and many others. You can rate the podcast and leave comments on whatever app you use to listen to the podcast. And finally, you can help spread the word about the podcast by telling your friends, family, classmates, or whoever you think would benefit from this podcast. If you have any comments about the episode, feel free to email me at tesepodcast at gmail.com, and I'll place the email address in the show notes. I will personally read each email and try my best to respond to them all. Goodbye for now.